Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. After giving his entire life almost as a disciple who has seen firsthand the power and authority of Jesus Christ, John finds himself now a prisoner, exiled to the island of Patmos, sentenced to hard labor for spreading the news of Jesus Christ. It has been decades since the resurrection of Jesus, and having experienced persecution before, John holds on to his faith. But experience says, that it can be difficult to do that in times such as these. Now I'm sure, oh I am, that there were times on the island that his body was punished, that his mind was fighting loneliness, all because of his love for Jesus. And then, one day, while on the island, paying his price, John receives an unexpected visitor. No, not a visitor who is there to see a prisoner, but there to see a man who has already been set free. Then, behind him, in solitude, John heard a voice, and it said, Write down everything that you are about to see. And then when John turned around, it was him. It was the Son of Man. And Jesus says to John on the island, he says, do not be afraid. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Living One. I was dead. And behold, I am alive, now and forever. I hold the keys to death. Write down everything you are about to see. And then the scripture says that the glory of the Lord was revealed to John there on the island. He was, he was given sight to things that this world would not know what to do with. John was taken to heaven and shown the kingdom of God. He, he was moved by what he saw. And, he, and, he, and he, was, he was there. He saw. He was in the presence of God. And he wrote down everything. He wrote that he saw 25 thrones there in this place. God was seated in the middle of all of them. And the other 24 thrones that were there 
were elders sitting in them dressed in olive white. And they were wearing gold crowns in this place. Then it says here that at the center, that in the middle, among all of the thrones, in the middle were four living creatures that John had never seen before. It was almost hard to describe what he was witnessing. He writes that each of them had six wings on them and that one of them looked similar like to a lion. One was like an ox, another a flying eagle, and the last one, he writes, looks like a man. And then he noticed that the creatures, all of them, each of them, were using their wings to cover their eyes when they were in the presence of the Lord. And then together in unison, the creatures all together said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is. Each of them were using their wings and then to this, cover their eyes. When the creatures said this together, the 24 elders, each of them, left their throne and fell to the ground on their knees. They took off their crowns and they laid it at the feet of the one who was still sitting on his throne. And together the elders said, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will everything came into existence. And then John, after that, was shown much more. And he wrote down all that he saw in the book of Revelation. But here, this moment that we read in chapter 4 was a moment so that John could write, he can put down in words that the God we serve, the God you and I believe in and serve, the Alpha and the Omega, is indeed sitting on a throne. And all creatures, regardless of this world or not, bow down to him. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for your word today. That as we dive in and we look and we examine, that Father, we pray for your, for your understanding. We pray, Lord, that, that we don't leave confused. We don't want to leave, Father, not knowing what, what, what this is for. But Lord, I pray that as your speaker, as, as your, your teacher and your shepherd, Lord, that God, I only speak your truth. That only the things that come from your scripture Anything that isn't, then just take them off my pages, out of my mouth. And that, Father, I pray that only your truth be told. And so, God, as we pray through this, fall upon it. Let your spirit move, God. Move us out of the way. And let your spirit do more than anything that I could ever say, Lord. And I pray this 
In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. You with me? We started there in the presence of heaven. I didn't make that up, just so you know. That's written in scripture. It's what the kingdom of God looks like. It's not a secret. He's not hiding it from us. We can read it. And so this week we're starting our, our, our second, I guess week you could say, in this series, Preparing for Holiness. But as already mentioned, you see, what we're doing for the next several weeks is that we're building up and preparing ourselves for the holiness retreat. And we're asking and praying that God do as he wishes with us through that. Just to have his way with us. And then we have to believe it. And actually, when it happens, allow it to happen. This is the, this is the God we serve. And so last week, when, if you were with us, we, we looked at Exodus, and we looked at Moses and the burning bush. But this week, we're going to explore another encounter between man and our holy God. And we're going to look at that through Isaiah chapter 6. Now, Isaiah was a prophet. And he was a prophet during the time of the kings. If you look through the Old Testament, the first and second kings and the Chronicles, that he was a prophet during that time. He served, Isaiah did, as a prophet for four different kings. He had some longevity with him. He served under Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And what we know of Isaiah is that he was a righteous man who served the Lord. We know this of Isaiah. He was righteous, faithful, and he served our God. Now his role, his role as a prophet, that was an interesting position to be in. One I would imagine at times could be challenging and difficult. That as his role as a prophet, it was to serve as God's voice to the kings of Judah. This is what he had to do. And it was taking place, he was, the, he was a prophet during the time of the divine, when there were in Israel divided into two separate kingdoms, the north and the south. And it was Israel, the north, and Judah, the south. And he was a prophet of the south. And so God would then speak to the prophet, and then the prophet would relay his message to the king. And then it was up to the king to either follow the direction or not. That was the king's position. Now we know that Isaiah was faithful. He was very faithful as a prophet. And he kept to the commands of the Lord. And regardless how popular or unpopular the commands or the messages were. There were times when God gave Isaiah words of prosperity. And I'm sure with a kick in his step, he would go tell the king, oh, I have a message for you, oh, I got one from God. But then there were also times when God would give him words of warning and destruction. And I would imagine that those were usually the less popular things he had to share with the king. Now, some kings would adhere to these warnings, while others would ignore them. 
and pay the price dearly sometimes. Now, it was during his time as a prophet that he was witness to, that he watched the Assyrian army. If you recall back to our study in Hezekiah, that the Assyrian army destroyed the northern kingdom. They were evil. They had neglected God. And then while the south watched this, Isaiah was the prophet to the king. And he actually then warned, Isaiah warned the king of Judah, do not make an alliance with the Assyrians. It looks like they're on your side, but they're not. Do not make an alliance with them. And the scripture says that the king ignored Isaiah and did so otherwise, made an alliance with Assyria. And so then we see that Isaiah also witnessed, after that, Assyria betray Judah under the reign of Hezekiah. Now, it was only because of Hezekiah's righteousness that Judah was spared. But nonetheless, Isaiah warns Judah that because of their sins, because of their disobedience, regardless of which king is sitting on this earthly throne, that doesn't matter. But because of your sin and disobedience, he tells them that captivity is coming. And generations later, after Isaiah's death and after many more evil kings, history shows us that captivity did come. Judah fell to Babylon. And they became slaves once again. But before Isaiah died, before that chapter had finished, he wrote something down that will give the people of Israel hope for generations. He wrote that a servant greater than he, greater than Moses, is coming to set his people free and deliver them to salvation. A servant that, that will take on the sins of this world. A servant that will be crushed and pierced for their transgressions. A suffering servant. A Messiah. And how did Isaiah know this? How did he know that this was going to come? How can he speak with such authority before anything like this could happen? Now, I think, I think it, it was because of one encounter that, that, that he will never forget. It was during the time of King Uzziah, the first king that he served under. See, Uzziah was a good king, but he turned to pagan gods at the very end of his reign. And so when we read through here, when we look through Isaiah, is that Isaiah, when the, when the king turned to pagan gods, started to actually go into the temple, this king did, and burn incense to the pagans there in the Holy of Holies. And so we see here is that, is that Isaiah went and warned him to stop this. You know better. You know what our law said. You know who our God is. And Isaiah continued to warn him to knock it off, 
But the king ignored them and continued to burn incense. And what we read through Chronicles and Kings and even through Isaiah is that when the king was going to lay incense at this particular time, that all of a sudden the presence of God, the entire presence of the Lord fell upon Isaiah. It just fell on him. And what happened was when Isaiah opened his eyes, it was, a mess- it, was, it was not a message for him to say. It wasn't God saying, Isaiah, tell the king this. That's not what was happening. Instead, it was something for Isaiah to see. And so here, because of Isaiah's faithfulness, because of his, his, because of his uh, what, following the commands and doing as God has asked him, we are seeing something that I, we can't see until a certain time. God, here in Isaiah chapter 6, gave passage for Isaiah to see heaven on this side of eternity. He allowed it. He gave passage. Isaiah, open your eyes. And Isaiah saw things that you and I will only ever get to see when we get to heaven. That that, that prayer will only come when that day happens. And and I'm going to say that that he, Isaiah, never forgot what he witnessed that day. He had to write it down. Isaiah, when, when he wrote, and he was high and exalted. And then he says that his train, that his robe was so long that it filled the entire temple that it, that, that it was sitting in. And then Isaiah wrote that he saw creatures with six wings. And you see these creatures, what they were doing is that they were using two of their wings to cover their face. Two wings to cover their feet. And the last two wings, they were flying. And this is what he was witnessing here in the kingdom of God. And then the creatures, all of them, all of them looked and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when the creatures spoke these words, When they came out of their mouths, the doorpost and the grounds started to shake at the sound of their voices. That their voices carried that level of authority. And then the entire temple was filled with smoke, it says. I mean, what was Isaiah looking at? I mean, what does all this mean? To be, to be here, what it appears to be, some temple with a throne and these, these creatures singing, holy, holy, holy. Well, it means, it means that there is a throne that sits higher than the universe itself. That the universe and all of its infinite space All the things that we can't grasp or concept, that we can't put it on a rocket ship and just go and see where you stop. That that the infinite, that the the universe brings, all of that sit beneath his throne. They sit beneath the Almighty. He's above it. 
And you see, Isaiah was not alone when seeing it. He's not the only one that was shown this. Everyone, each person in the scriptures that was given either passage or a vision of heaven speaks of God's throne. Job saw him sitting on it. David saw it. The sons of Korah saw it in Psalm 45. Ethan the Ezrite saw it in Psalm 89. Jeremiah saw it. Ezekiel saw it. Daniel saw it. And John, he saw it in Revelation 4. God was on the throne in the beginning, and he will be on his throne in the end. And what we see here in Isaiah is that, yes, God Almighty is on the throne, but we yet again see that he's not alone, that there are these creatures that are there with him, present among the throne, within the temple there. And, and I want, I mean, these, these it's the same creatures that John will see roughly 800 years later are still there in the presence of God. I want you to think about this. That these creatures that John tried his best, Isaiah tried his best to describe, but think about it. There is nothing on this earth that can even come close to what they are. They're, because the best we can do, even in Scripture, is it looks like. It's like this. There are no words in our vocabulary to describe what those are. If those creatures were now to fall from heaven and enter into our earth, the media will be running that story for months. Social media wouldn't know what to do with it. It would go viral within seconds because there is nothing on this earth that can even come close to what those are. If these creatures given the name seraphim is what they're called in heaven these seraphim were doing they were doing the exact same thing that they were doing when john saw them they were each of them were covering their faces even all those years apart they were doing the same they were covering their faces these creatures who, by the way, are without sin. They are sinless creatures. They have done no wrong. There are no iniquities in these creatures. They are sinless. They are without blemish. They are without doubt, for they are in the presence. These holy creatures, they know, these creatures know, that they are not worthy of looking upon the face of God. But why? Why? Aren't they holy? Aren't they without sin? Why cover their face? They're, they're in his presence. Why bow and cover their eyes? They're holy because they were created to be so. The Creator created them holy. You see, creation, regardless 
of what kind it is cannot be above its creator. It can't be above it. The seraphim were created to be holy, but despite that, they cover their eyes because they know they are not the creator. But don't take my word. Take the words of the seraphim who shout, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. If the seraphim covered their faces before the Lord, it really begs the question, what of us sinful creatures? What of us sinful creatures before him? So, what what did Isaiah, what did he do? What did Isaiah do when he saw all these things? When he was given passage into heaven? When he got to see the kingdom of God? When he got to see the throne and what he sits on? The seraphim who are shouting, holy, holy, holy. What did Isaiah do? I mean, what do you do when you're seeing this thing? And when we see in Scripture, we see Isaiah did the only thing that I think any of us would do in that situation. He cried out, Woe is me! Death to me! Woe to me, for I am unworthy! I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people who are unclean. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The undivided presence of God will do this to any man. To any man. You don't have a choice. You can't be in the actual presence, undivided presence of God and say, I don't believe in you. You can't. That when his presence is truly shown, truly on display, that if God now was to take the veil and show us his full self, that all of us, including myself, would fall to our knees covering our eyes. Because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But here, we see Isaiah is doing what you and I would do. Woe to me. For I am not worthy. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among unclean people. And I have seen the presence. I've seen the glory of God. Because here Isaiah realized. That in the moment. In the presence of God. That he realized. That he was not like the seraphim. That he was not like God. You see. He knows he's not God. But even the seraphim. They have the right to at least say, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah is saying, I'm not worthy to say that. My lips are not worthy to say such words. They could cry out, holy, holy, holy. But for me, 
woe to me. And what this is, let me tell you what this is. This is Isaiah. At least the way I read it, the way I've prayed and meditated on this, is that this is Isaiah accepting. He's all creatures cannot be in the presence of God and live. Isaiah, by saying woe to me, is accepting his fate by saying that they, the seraphim, they are holy, therefore they can see God and live. I have seen him and now must die because I am unholy. You see, Isaiah's reverence of God is so high that he expects and accepts. He expects it and accepts that death is now the only option. That being in the presence of God has exposed all of the sin that this world has on him, has now been exposed. And even though you and I may look to Isaiah and say, well, that's a diamond. That's as good as it gets. But a diamond will show its every flaw and every imperfection when it's placed on a certain background with certain light. And when placed on the background of God's perfection, even the most righteous among us are flawed. Isaiah isn't wrong. He's not overreacting. He isn't wrong to expect and accept death. It should be what comes next. But... To his surprise, he writes that one of the seraphim, one of the creatures that were there in the presence of God, left their seat by his throne. That the seraphim flew up and came close to him. It stopped at the altar and it actually grabbed one of the coals that were burning on the altar there in heaven. The seraphim grabbed a tongue and picked up one of the coals. And then it says, that he flew, that the seraphim flew over to where Isaiah was standing. And as it went in before him, he took the coal and he placed it on Isaiah's lips, burning his lips. And then when the coal touched his lips, the seraphim spoke and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for atoned for and then right when the cold touched and the seraphim spoke these words a voice the voice of God said whom shall I send and who will go for us and then then and only then after the coal touched his lips, after his sins were removed, after he was atoned, after 
he was consecrated, after he was sanctified, did Isaiah say, here I am, send me, send me. And what we see happening here is that Isaiah entered the presence of God saying, woe is me, woe to me, and is now stepping out saying, here I am and send me, send me. We should be given death, but our God has given us life. He has given us life. Why? Because he, our God, like the seraphim, has stepped down from his throne. He has stepped from his throne onto this unclean earth. And he is laying coals on all of us. He is sanctifying all of us. And that through the cross at which Jesus died, the blood that flew, that came down from that area, is the, is, is the atonement that Isaiah experienced here in chapter 6. That you and I are forgiven. We should die. That should be the reality. And I wish I could make that prettier. Find some artistic way of maybe saying that. But the reality is, is that the grave is where we belong. And because of the sin that our forefathers have given, even in the garden itself, from that moment, each of us were destined to the grave. But our God left his throne. He stepped down just as the seraphim did. And his son has been left as the offering. Who in here needs to allow God to burn away their sins? To allow this to no longer be your story? To clean what you can't clean. There is nothing that we can do. But that's the point. The point is, it's not for us to do. We're not the ones to clean. Captain cannot clean you. I can't do it. And any man who says he can is a liar. It can't be done. The only thing that I or any person in my position can do is use my pointing finger and point at the cross. This is where it can be found. I can help you get there, but only he can clean. Oh, but Captain, that sounds spiritually painful to expose myself in that way, to put it all on the line I know, but notice, notice that Isaiah never once spoke or wrote about the pain that the call, the coal brought upon his lips, but only the freedom that followed afterward. We must be willing, you and I must be willing to humble ourselves 
to receive the life that God is offering. To receive the same gift that was given to Isaiah. That same gift, the one that we read of in chapter 6, is waiting for you now. It's here. It's yours. If there is anything in your life that needs to be burned away, despite the pain it may bring, come and leave it at the altar. Come and leave it at the altar. The seraphims are singing now, holy, 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 for they know of his power. They know of his divinity. They know of his authority. Only he can give you the freedom that your soul is actually desiring. The freedom that your soul is craving. The freedom that your soul was designed to be in. Come and meet the one who can make you clean. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless. Thank you.